All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning, morning, Bob. How are you? Good. All right, you should have seen the schedule. If you weren't here last week, it was out on the uh, chairs out there. I don't know what happens. I was down here yesterday. I paid 50 bucks for this remote, and it's supposed to, you know, and it was working yesterday, but the gremlins came overnight. Look at that. It's not working. So I'm going to have to walk over and advance my slides, which is a pain in the butt. Get your money back. Yeah, get my money back. All right, go to the next slide. Uh, Here's the the class. If you weren't here, this is the name of it. It's based on uh, John Baker's book, which I strongly recommend you get. Um, Yeah. So go through the whole thing. Get the whole thing up there. There's me. There's Baruch. There's the primary text. There's the secondary text. So, so and you know, on your schedule, this is at the bottom where to buy it. I strongly recommend it. We're going to be following this book pretty closely. Um, so take a look for that. There's another book that is recommended highly. Um, <laughs> Never Let Go by Mac and Mary Owen. Mac and Mary will be in our worship hour this morning, and Mac will be preaching the sermon. You'll hear a lot more about it. They are going to be back on October 17 in this class, and they will give you their testimony. Um, Mac's going to preach a sermon this morning, so you'll hear a little bit about his story as it relates to the sermon. But they'll be back here for us on the 17th of October to give us the full testament. But even then, you're not going to get the whole story. So I really encourage you to go out into the foyer after class. Um, our own Joe and Amy Gambrell are out there. It's 15 bucks a copy. Unfortunately, we can't take plastic. We don't have the technology. So cash, we'll take cash. I sent you an email and said go by the ATM. If you didn't, you got a checkbook. Make your check out to Mary. Because Mary doesn't let Mac have the money. (laughs) Make your check out to Mary Owen. If you don't have either and you still want the book, don't despair. On the table, I've got a little sheet there. Just grab it and it has the web page where you can go and uh, buy it with plastic. I assume you pay tax when you do that. Who knows? But if you do that, uh, you go to that webpage, sign up for their blog. I love getting their blog. They're, they're very encouraging people, but um, you'll hear more about them later. Okay, and if, how many have been in my classes before? You never so, taught this one, mate. I never taught this one, Ginger. <laughs> and I'm not teaching this one. The Holy Spirit's teaching this one. Baruch's yeah. helping me, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead us through this one. Well, you know that I like to send out emails. And how many got an email from me this week? One or four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I can take it, Ginger. I'm, I'm in recovery. I can take that criticism. <laughs> yeah, people come up to me and they say, Bob, you write these emails. And I get all these. And I said, I told you it was optional. Don't get on the list if you don't want to get emails from me. And I write, I'm a lawyer, okay? If five words are good, five pages are even better, right? (laughs) All right. So, yeah, you should be on that list and getting my emails. It will, coffee, my my mother-in-law, Sandra. Everybody say, thank you, Sandra. Thank Thank you, Sandra. And please get up and get your coffee. There's, is one of them decaf, Sandy? The orange handles. Oh, the orange handles decaf. The other's regular. We got sugar. So, please, this is a very informal class. Okay, so if you did not get an email this week and you say, 
what I thought I got on that list. I'm going to send these around again. So if you're in yellow with a check mark, my assumption is that you're getting the emails. If you're not, let's start over. Give me it again, okay? Because I may have, you know, my dyslexia may have kicked in and I got your email backwards or something. But uh, get on that list, okay? Buy the book. What else do I need to say, Baruch? That's it about the class. Hey, there, it's working. Sweet. Oh, wait. Oh. Google Drive. <laughs> Sign the sheet. Give me your preferred email address. You can also send me an email. Don't be afraid to, to not get on the list. Please don't get on the list and then three weeks say, I hate getting your emails. <laughs> well, get off the list then. Uh, okay. Here are the objectives for the entire class. To know freedom. To know blessedness. To know happiness. That's from page seven of Life's Healing choices. So I abbreviate that. That's this book. So please go online and buy this book. It's cheap and it's, it's, it's a great book. Okay. And I don't get any royalties from the sale of the book. All right. To know freedom by making the eight choices. These eight choices are the Beatitudes. I mean, Jesus said this a long time ago. If you're here last week, you remember Rick Warren and Pastor Warren? He said, the great thing, you know, John Baker came to me with the 12 steps that saved his life from alcoholism. And, I, and John wanted to start a ministry. And I said, well, let me look at this biblically. And lo and behold, Jesus had already given the 12 steps in the same order that the 12 steps are in. Amazing. I think God had something to do with that. So making the eight choices, knowing freedom by making these eight choices and growing into a life that thrives in God's goodness and grace. That's what we're after, all right? That's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, today's class, I want to review the definitions of our terms, hurts, hangups, and habits. You may not have been here last, year, uh, last week, and so I'll do that. I want to briefly introduce, define the concept of blessedness and happiness, and then I want to uh, turn it over to Baruch. I told him I was going to do that all in eight to ten minutes, and look at that, I've already talked for eight. I'm sorry, brother. That's okay. It's your curse to co-teach a class with blabbermouth Bob. <laughs> okay, last week I introduced our terms by telling you my story. Okay? My story. First memory of my life, learning how to ride a bicycle. I was four and a half years old. I called it the Batmobile. I put, a, I put a piece of cardboard on the handlebars and I learned we lived at 5050 Los Robles in Carlsbad, California. We moved to San Marcos, California, about six miles inland, four months later. And so my next memory as a child is being sexually molested by a neighborhood boy for months. Do you think that caused a hurt in my life? Yeah. My mother was absent. She had left my dad. She was off peak. This was the 60s. She was up in Santa Cruz, California in a mini skirt, strung out on diet pills, hanging out with the band that she was a roadie for. My dad was struggling as a heating air conditioning mechanic, working 60 hours a week. My Aunt Nancy was taking care of us. She would get up in the morning, feed us breakfast, send us out on the acre lot. We had an acre lot. She would lock the door until lunchtime and we wandered the neighborhood. 
and I was the victim of a predator neighborhood boy for months. When dad found out, he did nothing. He didn't know what to do. He's an air conditioning mechanic. What's it? My son's been sexually molested. My mom did come back, went through detox. She found out about it. She did nothing. My brother for years and friends tortured. They called me Bobby the homo. I found a word that I could say. That's not what they called me, but I can't tell you what they called me in church. So you think that caused hurt in my life? You think it led me into a series of hangups? Yeah, here's what happened. What was the basic hangup? I'm worthless. My mom doesn't, you know, my mom doesn't care. First, she didn't prevent it from happening. Even after it happened, she didn't help me with it. She didn't explain to me that I was a victim, that this wasn't my fault, blah, 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 right? And I projected that onto God. God doesn't value me. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to turn to self, right? So those are my habits that I develop because of the hurt that, that creates a hang-up in my mind and I live into that and I develop a, a, a pattern of living. <laughs> I'm going to turn, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to survive, right? I am going to survive. And the way I'm going to survive is I'm going to make something of myself. We call that self-righteousness. So I'm an overachiever. I'm licensed in three state. I passed the California bar on the first try. Mm. My study partner graduated third in her class from Stanford Law. She flunked it. Man, I felt good about myself for about three seconds. And then I went spiraling back into this. Okay, so I'm devastated by any criticism. You know, I, I practice law, I got licensed, it wasn't making me feel so I'm going to become a preacher, not just a preacher, man, I'm going to be a missionary, I'm going to go save the world. I come back, I'm preaching, I preach this sermon, and I walk down from the podium and a little old lady says, you talk too loud, and what happens to my inner being? <laughs> Why? Because I'm fragile. I'm broken. I'm broken inside. Are, are we relating to this? I hope we are. Okay, I'm sharing my story. Constant inner turmoil. And what do I do eventually? I turn to anything, anything that will stop this pain. I mean multiple addictions. There are two. I, I got Baruch, I'm sorry, I'm almost done. <laughs> We have this saying in Alcoholics Anonymous. I became an alcoholic. Alcoholic. The problem with being an alcoholic, you know, the problem with being an alcoholic, I wore, I wore one. I am one. I'm three and a half years sober. Thank God. You know, the problem with this, you know, because this is where we start with people in re that need recovery, right? You need to stop doing these behaviors. It's the behavior that's the problem. The behavior is not the problem, my friend. Alcohol. I misspelled it, Lee. I misspelled it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, pretend there's an elder. What happens if you take the alcohol away from an alcoholic? What do you got left? You still got it. 
you still got it. This is the egg, folks. Now, these people come in our in our presence. You know, they're into all kinds of behaviors, and if we address the behaviors and don't give them the answer, what is the answer? Well, I never revealed my hurt to anybody. That was a problem. You will learn, we will learn in recovery that God will not heal what we do not reveal. Amen? Amen. You keep it inside. If I keep it inside, I try to hide it from you. I try to hide it from myself. I try to hide it from God. Where does it stay? And what does it do? It will destroy your life. If you're lucky, it will destroy your life. Because when it destroys your life, you'll be ready for God. Mm -hmm. Amen? Right. Here's where I'm using Jonathan Pace. Jonathan was not in my class last week. He got up and led a devotional before the Lord's table, and I went up and told him. I, I had to stop crying first, brother. I could not have scripted a better table talk. What are you worth? What am I worth? As Jonathan said, what's a house worth? Well, I guess a house is what, you know, what the house next door sold for, what the house... Okay. No, what, what, a, what a thing is worth is what someone is willing to pay for. That's what determines worth. And guess what? You know what you're worth? Look at the cross and ask yourself, how much was God willing to pay for me? And when that happens inside you, brother, sister, life changes. Amen? Amen. Life changes. I'm going to read the Beatitudes. <coughs> now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Folks, these are not commandments. These are not commandments. I am commanding you to be a peacemaker. I am commanding you to be a, a poor in spirit. These are not commandments. There are no verbs in any of these Beatitudes, much less imperative commandments. These are statements from our Creator of eternally true principles. I'm almost done, Ruth, I promise. <laughs> these are statements of eternal truth. What is happiness? Oh, I want to get a good education. Why? Oh, so I can get a good job. Why? So I can make a lot of money. Why? 
So I can live a good life. Ah, now we're getting closer. Now we're getting closer, right? You see, when we use the word happiness, sometimes we don't understand. Our, our, our framers knew of the, of the country. When, they, when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, he knew this definition of happiness. It's not, look, I got a Porsche, I'm happy. Happiness is that which, once you attain it, you want or need nothing else. You're there. You're there. And God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, is, you want to get there? Here's how. Blessedness. And I promise, I promise this is my last side. See, it's the same word. It's just translated different. Happiness is. Happy are those. Blessed. Blessed. What is blessedness? There was in Greek mythology, talking your language, right, Ruth? There was a semi-fictional place called the Blessed Isles. And if you got there, you could live your entire life there. Because there was, you'd never have to leave the island. Everything you needed to flourish as a human being was on that island. You want to go to that island? You want to go there? Spiritually, emotionally, mentally? Then listen to what Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes. Baruch, it's all working. That one will advance it. Baruch, you can offer the invitation now. Pass the hat. Pass the hat. See how I did. Yeah. Well, if I do it right, that will take the rest of the class. Huh? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you all for being here. And, oh, we lost the TV. It's right there. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, normally we, yeah, it's hooked up over here, but that's okay. It's all right. Jack can't read anyway, so. <laughs> So the first step in the book is the reality choice. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today for a few minutes. And you know, whatever else you guys would like to add, because I think uh, I haven't met Mac and Mary yet, but thank you for being here. It looks like you brought your entourage too. Right? <laughs> so um, thank you. And whatever you guys have to add, we'd love to hear it. And anyone else as well. One of my favorite quotes is, the biggest difference between us and God is that he never thinks he is us. <laughs> that has helped clear up a lot of things in my life. Um, I remember the first time I discovered that my parents were not divine. And I really didn't have the language for it, um, but I don't know how else to say it. But uh, when I was a kid... I thought I was being raised by the gods. And I don't know if anyone else is that way as well, but um, I was probably four years old at my grandparents' house on my mom's side, and the image I have in my head is I am walking out of the kitchen in disbelief as my grandma tells me 
yes, your mom used to be a little girl, just like you're a little boy. And I had the hardest time believing that. I <laughs> did not think that was true. I was, you know, I was still trying to figure out how I got here and how all that happened, but I was positive my parents had always been here and they had never not been here. And I think for me that we say intellectually we know that we're not God, but I think the, the clearest realization I had for me was, well, I was probably in, I don't know, somewhere around 10 years ago. So maybe I learned a little bit slower than the rest of you. Um, I had spent a fair amount of time in the book of Job and over and over and over I kept seeing the idea that God does not owe Job an explanation. Um, and there are a lot of different things you can get out of the book of Job, but the first one is, is that he is, God is our creator. We are his creation, and he owns us in every sense of the word. Um, and whatever I have from him is a gift. Um, and for me, that I think that was a moment of clarity for me. Uh, there are other instances when I realized that I was immortal and I wasn't God. But you know, the odd thing was is when I rolled down the side of a cliff in my brother's truck, that was not one of those times that I thought about that I was immortal. Um, I was junior in high school and I escaped with the separated shoulder and a couple of stitches on my head and I thought, hey, I'm pretty tough. Um, that was not the time. But, uh, and there are others. Um, so the next thing in the book I thought was really good um, and my trend the translation I have there is from Dallas Willard's book The Divine Conspiracy has anyone read Dallas Willard's okay um, anyone else okay it is an incredible book sometimes I think he takes a long time to get to saying what he's supposed to say but um, wise man so here's a good list um, if we do struggle with any sort of addictions uh, do you ever stay up late when you know she know you should be asleep? Now, if, if you are a parent with young children, that's a different story. Um, but uh, do you ever eat or drink more calories than your body needs? And less nutrition. Um, and some of you here probably know more about this than me, but it's important not just to get the right amount of calories, but you need to get the right nutrition. If I just eat one Twinkie a day because I got my 2,000 calories, that doesn't count. That's not taking care of your body and doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know you ought to exercise, but you don't. And by that, I think it's important that uh, it's vigorous exercise, um, not just getting up and walking to your bed or to the bathroom or whatever, but getting your heart pumping and getting the blood flowing um, and we all know that uh, if water doesn't move, it gets stagnant and it stinks. Um, but the rivers, especially here in Colorado, when uh, we have the runoff in the springtime, all the rivers get flushed out. Um, our bodies need to be flushed out and that blood flowing and pumping through our bodies uh, is a cleansing experience. Um, do you know the right thing to do, but don't do it? Well, <laughs> there we go. Um, 
you know something is wrong, but you do it anyway? Yes. Uh, do you act selfishly when you know you should be loving? Yeah, I do that. Um, that's a tough one um, because we don't like Yeah, we don't like to think that we're being stomped on. Um, you, do you try to control something or somebody um, and found out that they are uncontrollable? Um, there probably are people in here that uh, have control issues and try to control people. Um, that's a bad idea. And the sooner we stop, the better. Um, so, blessed are the spiritual zeros. And Dallas Willard says that the poor in spirit are blessed as a result of the kingdom of heaven being available to them. It is not a praiseworthy condition. And as Bob said earlier, these are not commandments. This is not another system of legalities or another way of being legalistic that we can set up and we can decide who's in and who's out. And we can decide that, well, I'm poor in spirit, but that guy's not. And so he has some things he needs to learn. And I'm a little bit ahead of him. But Jesus, in chapter 4 of Matthew, had just been healing people. Sick, lame, blind, demon-possessed, whatever it was. And he is in the middle of these people. They are... Uh, the outcasts of society, the people we don't care about, the people that we think are zeros, the people that are not spiritual. Jesus is saying, because of the availability of the kingdom of heaven, you are blessed. In the kingdom of the world, they're cursed. If you can't make it, we just let you go by the wayside. And, and maybe we'll be at your funeral, maybe we won't, but that's just the way it is. But when we live by the rule and reign of God, if we are a zero when it comes to spirituality, if it freaks us out to pray publicly, if we think we don't understand what God has to say for our lives, we don't understand the Bible, if we don't want to teach a class, if we don't want to talk to other people about God, Jesus says in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is strong enough and big enough to give you blessedness and peace um, and it's the same for everybody on that list because that was the list of people he was taking care of this is not the Beatitudes are not a way for us to be you know like the story of the Pharisee and the, the IRS man when they walk up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee says I'm glad I'm not like this guy I fast twice, twice a week I paid tithes of all that I get um, which are good things and he probably did and the tax collector said, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And we know more and more that every translation of the Bible is more likely an interpretation of the Bible. Um, when Jesus, when we see at the end of that parable, Jesus says, this man, referring to the IRS guy, went away justified. Most of our texts will say, rather than the Pharisee. But that word could also be translated along with. And I think that's the mindset that is important for us as followers of Christ to have. 
Pharisee, the good guy, the one who is spiritual, the one who is generous, who is well off, who gives. Yeah, he's a little bit proud. That's all of us. But both of them went away justified. Um, there's not a single person that God doesn't love. Amen. And that he doesn't want. Can yes. Interrupt? Yeah. Sorry. No. We, we have a little bit of a crisis out of the book table. I forgot to get change. Is there anybody who's going to buy a book and has the, the cash? Can, you, can I grab that from you? And then I'll get you a book. That way, Joe and Amy are out there like, how are we supposed to make change? Okay, while I, okay, I'll grab you. Just, uh, just give and, tips. And while I have the floor, thank you for, because for, here's what I want to say to us, okay? For this quarter, this is going to be clear. We're not going to pull any punches. We're going to try to be honest. Let me tell you something. We have inherited a terrible theology. We were born, and I mean we Americans, we were born in the Enlightenment. When, when John Locke was pushing his agenda, you know, the clean slate, you're born a clean slate, and you can do anything you want to do just by wanting to do it bad enough and working hard enough for it. That is at the core of our DNA as Americans. And it has come over into our theology. And let me tell you this, all right, you're looking at me, it's not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible. What the Bible says about me is you are in an environment that is permeated with the power of sin. And you have been overcome by the power of sin. And I will set you free. But you better humble yourself before me and come to me on my terms. And when you do sets us free and we find happiness we find blessedness all right so raise your hand if you're buying a book 15 apiece and you've got an exact change don't let me forget <laughs> okay so uh, the cause of our problems is the next point in the book and uh, one of them is our tendency to do wrong our desire to be God, and our attempts to play God. Uh, I believe it was Einstein that said, a problem cannot be fixed at the same level of intelligence that created it. And, um, I'm sorry, did you say you can't hear, Carl? It's a little louder. Oh, okay. Well, you probably know what I said anyway. <laughs> I said, I, I think it was Einstein. I couldn't hear you. So. Oh, okay, thanks, Skip. Um, I believe it was Einstein that said a problem cannot be fixed at the same level of intelligence that created it. So um, we need to make some changes. Um, so our tendency to do wrong, we've, we've talked about that. Our desire to be God and our attempts to play God. Um, the book of Genesis is one of my favorite books, especially chapters one and two. Three kind of goes downhill. But um, I just love and I you know the, the poetry and how things go together and the flow of chapter one and two is just beautiful to me. Um, but someone brought it to my attention a few years ago 
that when I read the creation story, and you guys do too, what is the picture that's in your mind? I'm there. I'm watching. Right? I'm like behind God's back watching as he creates. That's about as inaccurate of an interpretation of the book of Genesis that we can have. Um, we are part of that creation. Not alongside God watching and maybe criticizing, maybe judging. Should have done it this way. I would have done it this way. But, you know, um, we are part of the creation, not one of the creators. Um, and uh, I guess as far as what we're talking about in this class, um, our desire for recognition, I guess, would be the close would be a simple way to say our desire to be God. Yes. There's a place for everything in creation because um, <laughs> you, you couldn't get from one place to the next if, 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 if everything wasn't situated at a certain location. That's a good point. Yeah. Every, every day you couldn't. Um, yeah. You, 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 I mean, the sun had to have so much light, the moon and the stars had to have so much light. That You're right. Yeah. And that the sun comes up every single day, doesn't it? It's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so our, I guess our desire for recognition. Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 13, he talked about when he was a child, that he thought like a child and he reasoned like a child. And that would be, in my mind, in reference to the Corinthian Christians who were wanting recognition for their gifts and for their spiritual actions, for the things they had done. And he says, but there's a better way. And that is to still do amazing things, but for love and not out of a desire for recognition. <coughs> the consequences of our problems. And uh, got all laughs on this report card. Fear, frustration, <laughs> fatigue, and failure. And sorry, I wish we had the TV over here, but... Um, those that you can that can see, you know, you know who's uh, trying to push. Steve, Sisyphus. Yes, his punishment was to push the rock up the up the hill for the rest of his life, well, for eternity. But if he could get it up, then he was free. And part of his problem was that he told Zeus he was cleverer than Zeus was, and uh, his punishment was to push this rock up a hill. Uh, for eternity, he never gets it done. And if you ever heard of the the term a Sisyphean effort, um, that's what it is. It's impossible. It's never going to happen. Um, the cure for our problems: admitting weakness and a humble heart. And another one of my favorite stories. I remember reading this in elementary school, and it just stuck with me. Steve, you probably know this one too. Right? That's right, yeah. He and his father uh, wanted to fly, which that's always been one of my dreams, uh, wanting to fly by myself, especially not with an airplane. But uh, they, so they, he and his father decided that they were going to make wings and they, they used wax 
to attach the feathers to the arms and they started flapping their wings and they flew. But then, Steve? It, it got too hot, the wax fell, the feathers came off. And <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the you know, Greek myths are true. They tell you things that are important to know. If you think too highly of yourself and you raise yourself up, you're going to fall. It happens every time. Um, so admitting our weaknesses, knowing that uh, we are mortals, we struggle, um, we sin, and having a humble heart. Um, St. Paul says in Philippians, uh, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. C.S. Lewis's thoughts on that were very impactful to me. He said, we feel the effort of God when he is making us better. And so, yes, we work, we put forth effort. It's God's effort. Um, everything we have is a gift from God. Sometimes we talk about nature or grace. Well, there's really no separation because everything we have is from God. But we feel the struggle, we feel the effort of God's work and power within us. Um, and he works in us. And, and let him do it. And this is the final. This is not part of the book. But uh, has anyone read C.S. Lewis's sermon, The Weight of Glory? Matt, okay. You read some good stuff. <laughs> uh, anyone else? Well, and this... I think is very, um, well, it goes along with our class. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition, when infinite joy is being offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Um, so much of the Bible has been written at a level of understanding that is beyond what I normally um, walk in and live in. And that's, that's a lot of our difficulties. God is offering us so much more than just sin management and just trying not to be as bad as we used to be. But he's offering us infinite joy. Um, I don't really have anything else to say this morning. Does anyone have anything they would like to say before we close out? Okay, well, then uh, our goal is to make sure we're out of here at least by 1020 because Grace Bible is coming in. Um, so we have a few minutes to talk, but then make sure we're out for them. Thank you very much, and uh, have a good week. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. 
as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.